This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. Hey everybody, welcome back to Let's Talk. I am here with, once again, my good friend and partner hey. in gospel ministry, Adam Chaney. What's up? Well, happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for thanks for the, uh, this is three podcasts now with three different intros. Yep. I'm uh, really excited to see how you keep evolving these intros. So Yeah. Well, because we got at least one more episode <laughs> to film after this. So, but no, we are here today on Let's Talk to talk about sex trafficking with mm-hmm. Adam, who is director of development, longtime friend of mine, uh, as we announce our partnership with Elijah Rising what? as a part of our restoration network that we're building. We are very honored. Uh, we're very happy to be partners with Wellhouse. Look, we even made a special candle. That's right. We are working to get uh, some of these too. So if you want a Wellhouse candle to support uh, survivors of human trafficking, empowering them let me know and we can uh, definitely make that happen also it comes with a really cool cork lid with our logo yeah so i'm also interested i haven't we've finished one of these and i want to see how i can repurpose the jar everybody says that everybody's like man the glass is so cool like and the amber is kind of unique and so uh yeah send us your ideas on how you're repurposing our candle glass um yeah i'm thinking for me personally i love to cook i'm thinking turning it into a spice jar oh that's fun i actually use an empty one on my desk as a pin holder okay interesting that could be another one for sure q-tips seeing people put q-tips in it anyways yeah so (laughs) we are going to talk about human trafficking we just talked about social justice um in general now we're going to talk specifically about human trafficking it's the thing that wellhouse has decided it wants to be uniquely involved in uh, because it is a major issue for houston it is. Yeah. Yeah. Houston um, is often described as the number one city in the nation for sex trafficking. Uh, I I cannot confirm that um, because that that, that kind of statistic is really based on numerous studies that are done annually. And I can kind of share what those are, but it gets kind of technical. There's something called a tip report. And anyways, um, so whether or not Houston is the number one city in the nation for sex trafficking, I don't know. Uh, it really depends on who you're talking to and where you're talking to them, but it is a major hub. It is always within the top five of cities where um, trafficking is being reported. So where, where would those be? Like Houston? LA is normally one of them. Chicago was one of them. Um, New York, you know, they're, they're kind of... Atlanta, it's big biggest cities. airport. Yeah, Atlanta yeah. is actually one that's always on the list too. But here's the deal. At Elijah Rising, we like to say that Houston may or may not be the number one city in the nation for trafficking. That's okay. But we believe, and what we are working towards, is making Houston the number one city in the nation for solutions that end sex trafficking. Mm. Okay. That's our perspective. Great. Love it. So talk to us a little bit about the numbers that are related to sex trafficking in Houston and how that manifests itself and and how an average individual Mm -hmm. actually supports it without knowing. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's answer that. F- the first question, uh, let's talk a little bit about numbers. Sex yep. trafficking is the second largest criminal enterprise in the world. 
it's over a hundred billion dollar a year industry. Yep. So um, I think, and I that's just sex trafficking, that's, not yeah. human trafficking. Yeah. So let's do that, right? So human trafficking would include labor trafficking, right, and sex trafficking, which are two different things. Um, now, sex trafficking is labor trafficking, but labor trafficking is not sex trafficking, right? Though many people who are being labor trafficked also experience commercial sexual exploitation. Yeah. Um, so the lines do get a little bit blurred from time to time. At Elijah Rising, we specifically focus on working to end sex trafficking. Yeah. So we're not working to end labor trafficking in the sense that like, uh, you know, people are trafficked across the border to pick tomatoes and child you know, labor exploitation. Things like that. Uh, we're aware of those. We understand the intersections with sexual exploitation that exist in labor trafficking. We are working to end those things, but we specifically focus our resources, our time on ending sex trafficking. Um, it is a huge global issue. $100 billion a year. Think about supply and demand. Think about economics, right? Um, unfortunately, that's the way this issue is treated. And we're talking about human beings. Yeah. That is the image of God yeah. uh, being bought and sold. There's a demand for um, human bodies for individuals' pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and so since there is a demand for it, which is often fueled by pornography, sexual abuse, um, many other things, power dynamics. Uh, there is always a supply. Yeah, there will be a supply to a demand. Um, uh, and Houston has this like unique space in the nation where we can facilitate a lot of supply. We have the one of the nation's largest ports. We have I ten, which I think I could throw a football at right now from yep. where I'm sitting, um, which cuts across the whole country right? Um, we are an extremely diverse international city. Uh, so it's not uncommon to see minorities around. Not at all. Yep. Right. Um, and so, and trafficking often the demographics of trafficking often reflect the community that it's within. So yep. like trafficking in Houston is very, very diverse, yep. Southeast Asian, Hispanic, local domestic. I mean, all, all the things, um, all the demographics are represented. Um, and another factor is we're really rich yeah. city. We have a lot of extra income in the city, oil which and gas, has a energy. lot to do with oil and gas, uh, the energy sector and the medical sector. Yeah. Um, these are two big industries here in Houston, if you're not familiar with our city. Um, and we're very populous. Yeah. There's a ton of people here. We're one of the top three cities in the nation yep. in terms of population. And so why that factor is important is because it's easy to hide. Yeah. Um, we're also the host of many national events. Final Four is here, OTC, which if you're in oil and gas, you understand what that means. Um, Super Bowl has been here multiple times. In fact, our mobilization director right now is working on a committee to inform local, state, and federal authorities. Uh, we're placing, Houston's placing a bid to host the World Cup the World in Cup, yeah. 2026. I think that's right. Um, and so Elijah Rising is participating on, uh, on a focus group to help reduce trafficking demands or at least have a good understanding of what it might mean if the World Cup comes here because FIFA wants to know how to you know, not facilitate trafficking while they're in town, things like that. Um, so well, and having, having a huge airport, big, and, and, and big international and airport, international airport, uh, you know, two, two airports local to right. the area. Right. Um, also having just major sports teams, 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, any any tourism, any city that has a lot of international tourism tends to be a hot spot for trafficking because, um, well, tourists do touristy things and spend their money on things they wouldn't normally do at home. Um, but, you know, all that to say, um, so we have all these factors. Yeah. That, Which that, just makes it uniquely aligned to... It's very conducive. It's a conducive conducive yeah. atmosphere. And again, like Houston and, and our proximity to the border is another factor when it comes to certain types of sex trafficking. Sex trafficking takes multiple forms. Again... You hate to do this when you're talking about people made in the image of God, right? Uh, but we, but the way that traffickers treat this issue is like a product, supply yeah. and demand. And so, Houston, along with some other major cities close to the southern border, um, we see trafficking uh, in a form that takes place in Hispanic bars called cantinas, yeah. Um, and that's one type of the sex trade. Um, it's not necessarily unique to Houston, but it's unique to the border region. Yeah. Um, so we also have that factor at play. So with, with all of this, um, information, uh, another thing that I want to say is we're talking about this quote unquote as a Houston issue. Sure. But when you say that you don't mean city of Houston border. <laughs> Yeah, no. Right. You mean greater Houston area at large? Yeah. Because specifically what you're talking about with the cantinas and things like that, those are not isolated to us, but those are actually on our side of town yeah. around the ship channel. Yeah. Ship channel is probably where uh, the the densest um, you know number of them are. Of course, I have a cantina uh, like six blocks from my house yeah. and I live in inner city Houston not anywhere close to you. I'm an hour from right. where we sit today. Um, but yes, there's a high concentration of cantinas. Uh, I mean, like, I mean like a stone's throw from the water at the ship channel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's when we talk about this, cause a lot of people on our side of town in this larger East Houston, yeah. they, they don't, fully identify as being a Houstonian. Sure. Okay. Uh, because we're still on the developing side. We, Absolutely. so like Katie's been absorbed. Yeah. Right. right but right, we're right. still on the other end. We haven't been yellow that developed like almost yet. Louisiana in our, in yeah, our minds. Not, <laughs> not that but we're definitely far enough away that a lot yeah. of people don't consider it Houston. Sure. Sure. Um, even though literally a quarter mile from where we sit right now, my house is 99 coming in yeah which right really is the kind of big that's the loop. final loop yeah. of houston so we are a part of houston trafficking does happen in our area uh, adam and i are going out later today to look and and finish developing our partnership and how we're going to participate in this initiative to end sex, tra sex trafficking but because of this one of the things that i I want to look at is because Houston is uniquely positioned mm -hmm. in, in all the things that we've just talked about. And so, but with that, we can know that something's happening. Yeah. But if we think to ourselves, Oh, well I've never bought sex. Yeah. So yeah. I don't actually contribute to this issue. Yeah. Are there ways that the average civilian contributes to the exploitation 
of women for the sex trade? Yeah, numerous ways, actually. I think one of the ones that is the most important to draw a connection to is the, is pornography consumption. Yeah. Um, the porn industry really is just like the, it's just trafficking with a camera. Yeah. Um, now, and it's important to remember that it funds uh, trafficking. Most pornographic films and images are taken of an individual who is being commercially sexually exploited. Um, that's that's trafficking, right? Yeah. Um, and so you might not be purchasing that person in the flesh, but you, but your support of that content is funding and fueling fueling the the commercial sexual in, uh, exploitation industry. Um, plus, it's also desensitizing you to exploitation. Um, and, you know, I, I think the marginalization of women in general in our culture um, contributes to the exploitation of women yeah. in our culture. Yeah, so I think that that's one. Because, you know, we, we hear these stories or this idea that pornography or that life of adult entertainment yeah. is a choice by some individuals to do sure, that. Sure, sure. Which I, I think there are elements of that where it is true because we do see, uh, quote unquote, the porn star element where they live this life of adult entertainment. Yeah. They go about, they're doing their own thing. But I think if we dug a bit deeper, we would realize that those companies that own those platforms own other platforms oh, without a doubt. that support exploitation. Because as you've said, those may be the ones that a lot of people know, especially yeah. first getting into pornography, because they're the ones that would be, quote unquote, a little bit more familiar to what we're looking for. Right. But as you become desensitized, you go deeper, deeper and deeper into yeah. much different type of porn Yeah. that is then exploitative. It is trafficking. It is victims. Yeah. Our friends that love people, not pixels. Um often say that like like pornography consumption is just step one like yeah. it's, it's just a gateway of sorts and most of the men that they work with who are buyers um it began with a with a pornography addiction yeah. right and look like here's the deal like maybe you're a listener or a viewer and you you're, you're watching porn okay like first of all i'm not doing this to shame you yeah not at all like um pornography is a drug and it gives you a lot of endorphin hits and changes the brain chemistry. Yeah. And so you can become addicted to it and you just need help. Yeah. Okay? And, and Cullen's got resources. We've got resources. Love people, not pixels. Um, you just need help. It's yep. okay. It's all right. Um, and, and it, and not everybody who, you know, consumes porn is going to end up going to the brothel down the street and purchasing a human. But everyone who goes down the street and buys a person in a brothel uh, that is a human watches porn. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so the two are connected and we have to be aware of it. And thank you. Wellhouse church for even talking about it. Cause yeah. many, um, many churches just, I mean, it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people to talk about, but it's so important. Well, I think just the sexuality in general has shame yeah. around it. And that, that goes back to just the early pages of the Bible. What, what we don't realize is the narrative there is shaming or is shaping our understanding of body and its relation to yeah. shame because in Genesis two, we're told that the man and woman are naked and they're unashamed. Yeah. Then in three, they sin. And the first thing they feel is shame. 
and their response is to cover their body. It's to hide. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that it is our sexuality is deeply connected to our core without a, without a doubt. Yeah. And so that naturally makes it an uncomfortable conversation, but statistically, Oh my God, so many people are watching porn. Oh yeah. And it's play. It's, it is a plague of our society. Yeah, it's an epidemic. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it really is. And the industry uh, continues to grow, especially, I mean, we're sitting here in November of 2020. Uh, we've all been locked in our houses and yeah. most of us are consuming content at a rate that we never have before in right. the past. And so, hey, and guess what? <laughs> yeah, yep. Right, exactly. It's just, it's never been consumed at these levels ever before. But um, yeah, and I think a failure to have a conversation about healthy sexuality um, is a contributing factor. Okay. Right? So, so literally not having that space to work through yeah. sexuality. Yeah. And look, you know, there's been a real big movement in the church. Uh, well, the purity movement, right? Yeah, so I was going to, we were, I was going to bring up purity culture. Yeah. So purity culture on the surface is a great idea. Like I've got two young children. I don't want them having sex. Right. Um, I, I don't want them going out and having sex with random people. Like I want them to understand their sexuality is, you know, is linked to their core of who they are and their, yeah. to their theology and to their, just to their citizenship too. Right. like to be a good citizen is to practice healthy sexual boundaries, um, for the sake of the community. Um, and just personal health. Right. Yeah. So, but like purity culture can take this turn to where it is, um, it's oppressive yeah, and it's, it's real, real, real shame centered most often towards females. Oh yeah. And when, and that is a contributing factor to the exploitation. And, and if we make, if a failure to have a healthy conversation about sex in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, if we make it this like, um, dirty thing to talk about that needs to be hidden and needs to be not talked about, we actually, um, disempower our children from speaking out when they are being exploited. Sex yeah. trafficking is the exploitation of vulnerability. Mm, That's yeah. my favorite working definition of what sex trafficking is. Everyone who has ever been sex trafficked, uh, some vulnerability in their life has been exploited by someone in power. Mm. How does this affect the average person? People with power exploit those without power. Yeah. And, and when, when people with power recognize a vulnerability in an individual and they exploit it, that's the first step. And children are being trafficked. Yeah. They, and, but here's the deal. Most of the, most of the child trafficking that we see on, on the ground in our work actually is in the home. Yeah. It's with family members. And because purity culture has made sex such a thing that needs to be hidden and put away, and, and is so shame oriented um, that our children don't know how to talk about it. And their vulnerability is their age and their inability to have a conversation with an adult who also has power yeah. to protect themselves. Mm. And that has got to change today. We need to, we need to end pornography uh, and we need to equip our families, our churches, our children with a way to talk about sex that's healthy God made sex. Yeah, I think that that's that for me is one of the big ones. I mean, when we talk about people being exploited by their vulnerability, by people in positions of power, 
we've also, the church has created this narrative that sex is bad. Yeah. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Rather than sex is healthy and good in good and healthy environments. Yeah. Boundaries, man. Boundaries. Yeah. And so because of that, we've created um, a breeding ground for exploitation to continue to happen yeah. by not giving space to talk about it. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, yes. At a very basic level, that's exactly uh, that's exactly how it happens. I mean, but you're also asking the question, like, how do average people contribute to... How do we contribute to you know sex trafficking and fostering it? And um, I think other ways to think about that is the way that we uh, are uninformed, mm. right? So one of the best things that you're doing right now to combat sex trafficking, we've been joined by another guest on the podcast at the moment. Yeah. Um, another uh, another way to fight sex trafficking is to talk about sex trafficking is to raise awareness about the issue right it's fascinating to me so i've been i've been in this space um the anti-trafficking space for 10 years and you would th like i've seen it all i've heard it all right um but still and, and like when we started nobody was talking about it Right now, everybody's talking about it, and yet, Cullen, still to this day, I will meet people that are like, "What is? What do you? I don't know what sex trafficking is. What do you mean?" Yeah, there's still a lot of um, uh, ignorance, and I don't mean that in the in truest a, sense of the word. Yeah, I don't mean it demeaning. Like they just don't know. Yeah, and so we've got to do a better job of educating the population that this is that this is a problem. Um, and thanks, Wellhouse. Yeah, y'all are doing that. Yeah, we're happy to do it. And I think part of it is, you know, I've known you for a long time. As I was kind of deconstructing my own faith, uh, this influence of sex trafficking and Elijah Rising and the work that y'all were doing, you know, was always there. And so I, I get it. But another thing I think, so yeah, the person that watches porn, stop yeah. watching porn, People that have kids have better conversations with sure. their kids, especially since, like you've talked about, um, a lot of the exploitation comes from within the home, yeah, the family unit. Sometimes it may not be dad to daughter. Yeah, Sometimes no. it could be uncle to sure. daughter or, or however, grandfather. You know, what, there are mothers. any number of ways yeah. uh, that it happens. But it does, and it's a primary way that it happens. And that's not void of white middle-class homes. no. In fact, it's very common. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's very common in white middle class homes. I mean, yeah. again, like people always want to ask, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but like people always want to ask like, well, what's the primary demographic? Like, is it, is it Hispanics coming across the border? Um, you know, is it, is it black girls? And the answer is like, really like, dude, trafficking, it, it's, it's everybody. Yeah. It's, it's every community. It's every neighborhood. I live in a very affluent neighborhood. I inherited a house. Uh, I live in a very affluent neighborhood and I've got like four brothels Yeah, in my neighborhood. Um, One well, part of that's because if you live in affluent communities, you got money. You've got the money to spend on it. But if and you so, go in poor communities, right, women are being sold on the corner. Well, and so like over here where we are, um, our community is dominated by the energy industry. Yep. A uh, male dominated industry. 
and there is so much money in it. With a ton of money. People can go get two-year certifications from community colleges, and their introductory offer to their place of employment is over six figures. Yeah, and oftentimes, like, first of all, like, we love oil and gas. Um, there's an there's a organization that was founded in Houston to educate and do prevention work, so awareness and prevention in the oil and gas industry, specifically around sex trafficking. It's called OGTAG. Um, one of our board members, Jen Homan, helped found it, um, and so they work in this area. Like we love oil and gas people. Like I mean, you know, we're a Houston based nonprofit. We love oil yeah. and gas people. Yeah. Um, but look, man, it's a male dominated industry yeah. with a ton of dough, and so and often most guys are not with their families, whether yeah. they're on a rig or they're trucking, uh, you know, they're moving, moving product, uh, up and down the highways. And so they're stopping in truck stops or Tra they're lined up to build new pipelines. Yeah. Right. They're traffickers out on new projects. Know where the demand is. So yeah. they take the supply to the demand. Yeah. And again, it's a terrible way to talk about human beings, but that is the industry. Well, it's slavery. It's slavery. It, it is, it is, um, it doesn't take the same, you know, it, it's a very different form of slavery than our nation is used to seeing. Um, but it's still slavery. Yeah. It's bondage and it's, it's forced. Uh, here's the other thing I meant to say earlier. I'm kind of being reminded of it right now. I think another really important note to make, um, is prostitution is sex trafficking. Like the hoe on the corner, if that's your, you know, kind of, perspective she's a trafficked individual like yeah, the odds of her doing that 100 percent of her own accord with yeah. no one overseeing and requiring her to be places is severely unlikely yeah statistically it's very 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 low that that's the case and so the federal definition of sex trafficking is any sex act for money I'm paraphrasing here because it's a very long legal definition, but you can go look it up, maybe put it in the show notes. Um, any sex acts for money, so uh, like an exchange of funds, that is a result of force, fraud, or coercion. It's the fraud and coercion pieces of that. Yeah, that, you don't need... those naturally create force. Exactly. But here's the deal. In a court of law, you don't have to prove all three exist. Just one. Force, fraud, or coercion coercion now if it's if it's an individual under the age of 18 you actually don't have to prove any of that if if an if a minor is having sex for any sort of compensation that's sex trafficking whether it was forced fraud or coercion or not you, none of those are necessary uh, and again these are federal definitions this isn't elijah rising's opinion right this is the truth uh, according to the law and so w when it comes to individuals who are being trafficked I'm sorry, when it comes to individuals who are being prostituted, sure, like maybe they're not being forced to prostitute themselves, but are they being coerced? Have they been, have they entered into that fraudulently? The primary way that people end up being trafficked is through, uh, at least these days, is through a recruiting process. Mm -hmm. And and there's, a, there's different ways to talk about this, like a Romeo pimp or a boyfriend pimp, where a trafficker, a pimp, which by the way, just to educate the listeners, a pimp is a trafficker. Yeah. Those two terms are synonymous. One's just a street term. Right. Right. Where pimps will look for women, exploit a vulnerability, make them think that they've fallen in love with them, become their boyfriend, shower them with gifts, uh, you know, 
try to separate them from their support networks, their family, their church, their friends. And at some point along in that relationship, they convince them that um, if they want to keep being in this relationship, that they need to have sex with his friends Yep, for money. Right. And so that he gets that he got her. Well, and maybe he gives her some the first couple of times. Maybe she gets all the money the first time. Yeah. Right. Uh, but she's been coerced into that. When she's in a power differential. Absolutely. It's power dynamics 101. Yep. Now, all that to say, there are definitely individuals who are out there. There are sex workers out there that are doing independent sex work. Um, but that is a very small minority. That's a very privileged minority. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, we're going to have a whole conversation about decriminalization of sex work and Elijah Rising's position and things like that. Um, but our, our position is we want to decriminalize the individual who is being prostituted, but we want to increase cr- criminal penalties on those who are doing the buying and the selling of that individual. We do not want women going to jail. They are victims right. of a broken, exploitative system. They're being oppressed. Right. They're being trafficked. We do not want penalties for them. We want them to come to the Elijah Rising Restorative Care Campus. We want them to learn new job skills at Elijah Rising Social Enterprise. But those who are doing the buying and the selling and the recruitment, we want increased penalties for them. Yeah. Because we have to stop the demand. Yeah. So with with all of that, I think there there are two other areas that I think we should talk about in this idea of how do I as a person who doesn't Purchase sex. Explicitly purchase sex. Sure. Contribute to this trade. And one of them, especially for men, um, can you talk to us a little bit about how strip clubs play into this? Yeah, great point. Yeah, um, I meant to say this earlier too. Uh, yeah, strip clubs are, okay, sex trafficking is the exploitation of vulnerability. Okay. Now, not every woman who's stripping is being trafficked. That's That's not the case but it is a great recruitment ground. Think about the think about the desensitization that has to take place in an individual to stand up on a stage and dance and take their clothes off as people stare and throw money at them. Right? Some boundaries, some 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 uh self-understanding and awareness has already been crossed. They're already willing to stand up on the stage and take their clothes off. Maybe they're in the back room, in the VIP room. Yeah, the, the private rooms. In the private rooms, getting even closer. Yeah. So if you're a pimp and you need a new girl to be on the street, where are you going to go to recruit them? Someone that's already been desensitized. And is looking to make more money. Um, and so very often what we see in our work is that strip clubs become a recruitment ground. And here's the other thing. Oftentimes, women who are already being trafficked, who are who are working, um, who are being compelled to prostitute for a pimp, uh, are also told to go strip as well as another way of diversifying the pimp's income. Yeah, I mean, this is very, very common. Again, not every woman stripping is being trafficked, but many of them are being trafficked or are or are soon to be trafficked, soon to be recruited. Well, and it's also another point that's when a man goes into a strip club. He's moved beyond the porn issue. Sure, yeah. It was a gateway to the next level. So now he's in the strip club, which means I'm desensitized to another level. The last place I have to go is the purchase of actual sexual activity, which in most of these places, 
that is the private room. Yeah, which is illegal. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, in the yeah, state yeah. of Texas, which is illegal. Which now you now you're now you've crossed the criminal barrier. Yeah, right. Um, that those private rooms. That's not for you to get a private dance. Just yeah. just think about that. Why right. would you get a private thing of something that's available to you for being in the establishment? Right. You're getting a different service. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and we could tell stories about strip clubs that we know of and women that have come out of strip clubs that we have helped that could tell you story after story about how those VIP rooms, those private rooms are used to facilitate trafficking. Yeah. Some pimps have contractual agreements with strip club owners to facilitate trafficking inside that establishment and make it look on the up and up rather than being on the street corner on Bissonette. Right. It's easier to run the girls through the strip club than it is to be standing on the corner. Yeah. Plus they're getting free drinks at the bar. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So absolutely strip clubs facilitate that. But the other thing too is um, one of the things you made me think about was just this progression, right? The man looks at porn or, or the woman, you know, the individual looks at porn, they go to the strip club um, and then now they're really looking to take it to the next level. We are so inundated with brothels in our city that it's easy to find one. Yeah, that's the other problem here. Houston, uh, and I do mean um, larger Houston. No, I mean oh, uh, actual uh, actual like, bordered inner city, Houston, like, inner city Houston. Uh, a study was done by Vanessa Boucher, and I can I can send you the information if you want to link it into the comments. Um, a study was done in 2017, I believe, of all the illicit massage businesses in Houston. We call them IMBs. They're basically brothels. Uh, they front as a foot spa or a, or a massage parlor or Thai spa or whatever. There's a bunch of different. A bar. Uh, it, it can sometimes look like that. But um, they, she, she did this study where they um, came to Houston and studied uh, over they found that there are more than 300 IMBs, illicit massage businesses in the city of Houston. Um, and then they studied who the clientele was. And again, we can link all this because I'm not remembering the statistics exactly off the top of my head and I don't want to lie. Uh, but there were thousands and thousands of men visiting these establishments on a daily basis. And the time, the most frequented time was the lunch hour on a weekday yep. and they extrapolated all the data and there are over a million purchases of sex just in the IMBs. We're not talking about strip clubs, cantinas, uh, truck the, the street corner, the, the truck stop, the online sales. We're not talking about any of those. We're talking about one, one, one method, of, method of trafficking and purchasing over a million purchases in a year in just in the Houston city limits. Yeah. And it's predominantly men, middle-aged with a family at home on their lunch break. That's, that's what we're dealing with here. Well, and that just goes to show you that that's, that's a common trend because the largest pornographic consumption yeah. is in the same time frame. That's right. Um, so the final piece that I think we should talk about and try to bring awareness to is how we support it without knowing based on where we spend our money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a tough one sometimes, but the, our economics is everything, right? I mean, again, a hundred billion dollar a year plus industry and the way that we use our money is so important because the exploitation of vulnerability, right? Right. Those who are exploited by trafficking, the majority of them come from marginalized populations anyways. Right. Right. 
and so especially the, the other thing to consider here is the way that we use our money in the purchasing of goods from overseas uh, and, and, and this kind of brings in more of the labor trafficking question too, but yeah. like, are you buying fair trade chocolate? Are you buying, like if the product that you're buying, uh, seems too cheap to be real, it's most likely by made by slaves. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, which again, labor trafficking and sex trafficking aren't the same issue. However, most people who are being labor trafficked are being sexually exploited. Yeah. So there's a ton of overlap. Well, and I think even, even to another element uh, of this, but where are you getting your nails done, ladies? Where are you getting massages? Um, where are you going for your chiropractic services? Well, lunch. Like, you know, we're going to go to lunch in a little bit. Like, we have to be careful. Like, if we were going to go to a buffet, I mean, we've seen no, multiple instances here in Houston where all the employees at a certain Chinese buffet were all labor trafficked. Yeah. So with that, what are, so specific to the sex trade, you know, you talked about IMBs, mm -hmm. what those IMBs, uh, those are businesses that offer services other than sexual exploitation. Most so, of them. No. Well, they, they, their licensing says right. that they do, but in reality, like if we go drive around here in a little bit and we find one, if I go to the door as a white dude and I say, Hey, I legitimately want a massage, uh, they might say, okay. But when I get into that room, ain't no massaging happening. Okay. So it's all a front. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a way to operate a legitimate licensed business, though many of them don't actually hold, uh, uh, a legitimate license, um, which again, we can talk more about those details uh, and how all that works, but it's a front. It's a front. So how many of those type businesses own legitimate businesses in a way to launder that unclean money? Oh, the majority of the money laundering happen happens in ATMs. Interesting. Okay. So, so how, how so? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the main, so, okay. So each business is different, right? I mean, I can't speak for every single brothel, right? Many of them are run by larger corporations, uh, sometimes located here in the U.S., sometimes located in other countries overseas, and there is a very elaborate uh, laundering situation happening to move the money in and out of these places. Um, however, one of the things that we do at Elijah Rising is we raise awareness on the issue uh, through something called our Awareness Van Tour, though they've been suspended because pandemic dang virus dang virus um so we're hoping to get those back up and running soon but one of the things that we train people to look for is an atm in the lobby of that massage parlor normally right at the front door um and i also am the host of a podcast yes and recently did an episode with jamie carruthers the senior attorney at children at risk who does a lot of their advocacy and policy crafting for uh, the texas legislative sessions and this is something that they are taking up in the upcoming texas legislative sessions is to go after these atm companies um, which anybody can buy an atm you can go get an atm for wellhouse and just like put it outside my house or yeah, wherever I want. Wherever you want. And you can put whatever money in and out of it you want. It's so very any, simple. Any privatized person, individual can go purchase an ATM, put it wherever they want and put whatever money in it that they want to distribute out. Yeah. The regulation on ATMs is like non-existent. 
Um, and I'm so only aware can, of the Texas situation. I don't know if this is like a global national thing, so I'm not super informed, uh, but you can go listen to the podcast that's out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the Elijah rising podcast. I'll link it. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in the notes, but it's an easy way to launder money. And here's the deal. When you go into these IMBs, you, they only work cash. You're not swiping a credit card. So before you pay for certain, before you go into the room, you have to have cash in hand. So they say, well, go to that ATM, you know, whatever services you're buying, you know, today it's going to be 150 bucks. You have to go to that ATM, swipe your card, and you get $150 out cash. Then where does that money go? Back to them. So yeah. it's a circulation of dirty money yeah. that they've now cleaned. Well, it came out of your bank account because right. you just went through that ATM. Yeah. They're cleaning it through the ATMs. Okay. So, so with that, um, what what should so should we be very suspicious of cash only places yeah if you you mean like if you're going to look for you know it's date night you and hunter and you want to go have a massage somewhere yeah yeah you should be suspicious of cat of cash only atm in the front lobby um plus a lot of these places actually won't even service women like they'll just tell women oh sorry we're closed or or all the uh you know all the employees are at lunch at midnight or whatever um but yeah that's that's one thing to look for cameras you know a lot of these places will have four or five different cameras uh outside and inside uh also if if you have to go through more than two locked doors like if you walk up to a massage parlor in the middle of the day and the door is locked and they have to buzz you in and you get inside and there's an atm and they don't really have much to offer other than like one service you know what i'm saying um like one very just vague massage yeah right um and like and you notice that in the lobby there's another locked door <laughs> uh these are all classic you know red flags that um while they might actually have a legitimate massage service it's unlikely what's really happening there is individuals are being trafficked and they're selling sex so with that that's a whole lot and we're you know we're going to continue our relationship with elijah rising and and we're going to at well house we're going to try to get involved in this but if, if someone happens upon that place yeah what what do they do to report that yeah so uh there's a few ways to do that i mean we we'd be happy for you to email us um at elijah rising and just let us know um our friends that love people not pixels also have a new campaign that they're running which we're helping um support called how to shut down a brothel uh this is a really new cam really new program for them they'd be a great resource to contact joe madison at love people not pixels there's how to shut down a brothel uh, program and then law enforcement you can you can um, leave a tip you can call um, your local law enforcement agency i'm not super familiar with all the law enforcement agencies i can really only speak to harris and hpd because that's who we work with uh, but i know that i can call hpd vice squad and let them know hey the, there's a suspected imb where trafficking is taking place and they will they will take that note the, 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 there's a real difficulty in law enforcement being able to um execute any actionable you know um you know search and seizure on that location especially if they have maintained their legitimate license whether or not they're actually doing massage for no probable cause yeah so one of the things that we do at elijah rising is we mobilize intervention teams outreach teams and we go to these locations and uh, our specific goal is not necessarily to shut them down but to reach the individuals that are being trafficked on the inside and we want them to know that we see them that we 
uh, hear them, that we love them, and we have we partner with yet another anti-trafficking organization to provide uh, exit to them, safe, reliable exit to victims. And so our intervention teams are going into these places. So if you know of them, we'd like to hear about it. We do keep a database. Uh, again, Love People, Not, Not Pixels is taking a slightly different angle and they're intentionally going after the landlords because most of these IMBs in particular are not owned by the trafficker. They're actually leasing space from some developer. And so they're in strip centers or whatever. Most of them are. And so LPMP is really taking it from that angle. And so, uh, as I like to say, with our powers combined, a good Captain Planet reference between Rescue America and their exit hotline, our intervention teams and LPMPs had to shut down a brothel program. We can attack this from multiple angles. Um, and, you know, over 10 years, we've been relatively successful. I mean, Elijah Rising has been involved in shutting down multiple brothels and exiting multiple individuals that are being um, trafficked. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Well, I think um, I think it's very clear that um, no matter what, through this, there are always for us to be conscious of improving. As this is a Christian issue, this is a pro-life issue. Absolutely, um, this is a social justice issue that the church has to be involved in. Absolutely, and so I hope this has been helpful to you, Adam. I'm grateful for you. Uh, coming on and uh, making us more aware of the issue. Yeah, yeah. And looking forward to our partnership together to end this tragedy. Yeah, I want to say thank you to Wellhouse. I want to say thank you to Cullen. You know, we've been rolling together for years, but uh, to Wellhouse Church in particular, I want to say thank you for the partnership. Um, we could not do this work without churches like this who have said, yeah, we care. And yeah, we want to help. And we want to, we want to donate, but we also want to be hands and feet. Uh, and we want to put your products in frame on our podcast. Yeah. I mean, all these things are, are really significant. Um, and the women that we serve, um, they appreciate it too. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely.